The scripture reading today is Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. When you weep the harvest of your land, do not reap at the very edges of your field or gather the gleaming of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. God bless his word this morning and thank you worship team for the songs that was selected for today's service. I think that was awesome. And keeping up with the theme this week, I'm going to speak on the missionary nature of God. And sometimes I go really fast and I go really loud. So while I'm calm at this moment, I'm going to explain where I'm heading. Uh, my wife says I need to, you know, just calm down a little bit and be more relaxed. I don't know why I'm so nervous in this setting, but I've never been nervous before. But for some reason, when I get up here, I get really anxious. So what I want to do is lay a framework for the missionary nature of God this morning and then bring it some more meat next week when we celebrate Holy Communion. And for me, I think the most important service a church could ever be in is Communion Sunday. It's when we remember and reflect on the sacrifice that the Savior made for us. And I think that's very important that we honor that and just remember what he done. So I'm going to lay a framework out this week and then bring it in more specifically next week of what it is to be a missionary-minded people. So God is a missionary-minded God. From the foundation of the world to its final consummation in the book of Revelation, God has shown his missionary activity throughout Bible history. This missionary-minded God is looking for a missionary-minded people to spread his holy word to the nations. And the five books of the law in the Old Testament, in general, and the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, specifically reflect the missionary nature of God. The law of God in the Old Testament was quite like the laws of the nations around them. For instance, the Code of Hammurabi, written 700 years before Moses came along to write the books of the law. This is what his law says. If he's broken a landowner's bone, they shall break his bone. Moses writes in Leviticus 24, 19, If a man shall cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he has caused a blemish in a man, shall, shall it be done to him again. Similar laws to our text this morning was made by other nations to take care of the poor and needy. Well, why wouldn't the law of God and the Israelites be like the law of other nations? I mean, if we believe that in the garden, God gave man conscience, he gave him direction, he said, you can eat of anything that you want, but of this specific tree, you shall not eat of it. He gave him guidance, he gave him law, and he gave him direction. Of course, man did not listen to God. He sinned against God, and as a result, him and his wife were kicked out of the garden. And then after that, every decision man made was pretty much wrong. But in his mind and in his heart was the knowledge of good and evil. What's right? What's wrong? Which way should I go? Which way should I back off of? All this was in his conscience. And how was he know what God to worship? He's kicked out of the garden. He's kicked out of the presence of God. Maybe man worshiped multiple gods. For God had, at this point had not said, I am specifically the one you're to worship. Man set out, 
Man forms his own nations and countries split up. So why wouldn't every man have his own law? And even though these laws were said to be directed by their gods, the king always had a right to change them. And it seemed like he always changed them, favoring for those who could help him out in his kingdom. Not so with the God of Israel. His laws were just and always had their grounds in his holiness. For instance, in the Ten Commandments, this is what God says in Exodus 20. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. There's all kinds of gods. But you, my people, you shall only worship me, serve me, and follow me. In Exodus 20 and verse 7. Thou shalt not take the norm the, the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. And as it relates to the poor and the helpless, this is what God says in Deuteronomy 24. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and for the widow. And you shall remember that you were a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. In the sermon text this morning, the landowners were forbidden to take food from the corners of their field or pick up what had fallen. So they was allowed to do their crops. But in the very corners of their crops, they were to leave alone. And if they dropped something, they were not to pick it up. Now, I'm at the age of my life. If I drop a penny, I'm picking it up. When I was 13 or 14, I'd let that penny go. It's not worth the hassle. But even though it takes me two minutes to reach down and grab the penny, another one minute to pick the penny up with my wife's help, I'm getting that penny. But they were not allowed to do such a thing. They were to leave it there uh, for the people that needed it. Those in need worked the fields just like the landowners. And through their work, they provided food for their families. So the landowners, they gleaned. They did what they needed to do. And according to God's law, they left some stuff. And they didn't pick up anything. And those who were poor and helpless, they came in and they worked the fields. They worked the corners of the field. They worked in the fields. Uh, what was not picked up, they'd have to walk around and get it. They did this so that they could pr- provide for their family as well as the landowner. This was not charity in the sense that I think we understand charity. It's just not given to somebody without somebody doing something with it. In charity, we just give things away and there's no responsibility on the receiver at all. They just receive what you give and they move on about their very way. It was not charity uh, because there was no, the receiver had to do something. The people, the poor, they had to work in the field. It was a just law. Why? Because it was God's land. And his blessing that provided for the landowner also provided for the poor man. So the landowner and the poor man worked together thanking God for where they were at in life. I want you to notice here that the landowner just didn't sell everything and said, Here, poor man, come live with me. Take all my money and run. He didn't do that. God gave the specific command to give a portion for the poor to work and get what was needed for them to take care of their family. So they worked together. And what were they doing? They were thanking God in their own way maybe for what he had done for them. It also reminded the children of Israel what God had done for them. Now we read this in the text this morning. But I want to read again in verses 33 of chapter 19. What God says to the children of Israel about this idea of leaving stuff for those in need. 
If a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you. Thou shalt love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meter yard, in weight, in measure, just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hen shall ye have. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments to do them. I am the Lord your God. Now basically what he's saying is don't cheat the dude. Don't, don't set it up where you're uh, cheating somebody out of something else. If they're a stranger and they come to your place, treat them right. Love them. Be there for them. He says, why? Because remember, I'm the one who called you. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. And I'm the one who gave you all the gold, silver, food, and water that you needed to survive as a people. Remember where you were and remember where I brought you from. It was God who called them. It was God who led them. It was God who blessed them, and they, in return, were to bless the poor that was around them. This same idea of gleaning is what it's called. It's found in the New Testament as well. You see it in the book of Acts when they're getting frustrated about some widows not being taken care of. And Timothy's a young preacher, and Paul's having to direct him. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Then in verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate... Trust in God, continued in supplication, prayers, night and day. So what happened was, some widows needed some help. So Paul outlined for Timothy the church's responsibility. And he said, first of all, they're not supposed to have any family around. If they have family who can take care of them, the family is supposed to take care of the widow. He says the church is not responsible for that. But if she has no family, and she's a widow indeed... He says, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to help her out and take care of her. But these are the requirements. She must be a godly woman following Christ and serving Christ. She can't be a busybody just going around talking about everything and everybody and not being in Christ. He says, she must be in the body. She must be trusting and serving and honoring God. And he says, Timothy, then you are to take care of that widow. In James chapter 1, verse 27, this is what James says. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Times, governments, communities, beliefs have changed over the years. But I believe we can live out the principles of Leviticus chapter 19 as a missionary-minded church through Heifer International. Now, I'm, I'm not brethren by nature, by tradition or nothing like this. So I get what I get from hearing talk about Heifer International, going to the Brethren Center, reading their website. And I think this dude that started this thing was phenomenal. Here's my take on it. In 1944, this guy named Dan West, who was a Brethren, a church member and also a farmer, he was out doing some missionary work after this, this war going on. And when he returned, he realized that just giving these people food and water was not a long-term solution to their problem. They needed to have something to sustain them through a, a long period of time. So what he did was he decided that he was going to donate a cow. 
or get a cow and give to these families as a way to sustain them when they were hungry, hurting, or needing something to drink. So he got together and he formed this thing called Heifer International. And he said, through this program, through this food, through this cow, I'm going to help sustain the family. How would he do it? To help the family work to take care of the animal that was given. If it was a cow, to milk the cow and have milk. For the family to be together, for the family to work as a unit and help them in their hunger and give them work to do so they could sustain themselves. And then, as they grew and their business grew, they would help somebody else. They would thank God for what he had done for them. They would grow that, and then they would give it to somebody else. Now, today, this Heifer International has grown big time. It's huge, and there's a lot going on in it, and they give a lot of things, and they do a lot of good work. So I want to say to you this morning, based on his philosophy, have I got it somewhat right? His philosophy? Dan West, I'm pretty good? Okay, thank you. No wonder if I tell me I'm all wrong, because that would mean I'm not anointed. If you're not anointed, you're not called. You're not called, you're in big trouble. But I think this dude had it pretty good. So I want to say to you this morning, church, every time the stewards give to Heifer International, I believe you open up the gates of heaven to those in need. You show the goodness and the kindness of God on behalf of the church. What do you do when you give to Heifer International and, and give these cows or whatever you give? This is what you do. You provide work, sustenance, community, healing, training, and love, just like the landowner did. The landowner didn't give everything. He followed the law of God, said, I got to leave this here to help those in need because I was in need. I'm not allowed to pick it up because I was in need. God was good to me. I, therefore, am going to be good to you. So, stewards, every time you cut a check, you open up the blessings of God. And you open up the blessings of God not only for those who you're helping, but for the church. For this church, you open up the blessings of God. And I believe because of that blessing, this church is healthy financially. Don't know about your money? Don't care about your money. But there's no way, if you guys are, you know, not have the members that you've had before, that you could keep giving like you're giving and doing what you're doing without the blessing of God. I don't believe it. Now, if that little sign out there, well, it used to be right. If you was given $1,600 a week, into the offering, God bless you. Whoever you are, God bless you. Thank you. Because you are blessing God, you're blessing the church, and God is taking it, and he is blessing that. Just like the landowner did, I believe the stewards, and it is your responsibility to handle the money. It is your responsibility to act on behalf of the church to give the money out to where it's needed. You open or close the blessing of God by the way you handle the money. Sorry to put that on you. That's the way your denomination does it. It's on you. In my tradition, it's on the man who gives. We call it tithe, offering, and missions. But thank God it's on you, fellas. That is your responsibility to honor God and honor the church by giving in missions. Adult Sunday school class, I believe you unleash the love of God. The stewards say, this is how much money you're going to get. My understanding is, you're down in your Sunday school class, and you kind of take a vote of what you're going to give based on what money comes in. You take your vote, right? You say, we're going to give a cow, we're going to give some chickens or whatever. But when you do this, when you pray over this and do this, you extend the love of God. 
You say, God, you have been good to us. You've been good to us financially. You've been good to us. We're going to extend your love to these people. Now, you don't know who you're giving to. You don't know where this stuff's going to go. You don't know how it's working. But don't you believe that God's going to use what you give for his glory and for his honor? And that somehow the gospel is going to be preached? And somehow somebody's going to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that why you do it? You see, when the cow or whatever is given, it goes to the Brethren International or Brethren, I'm not sure what they call it, but to the Heifer Foundation, the cow or the chicken or the bees, whatever comes, and the people say, where did this come from? I would hope that the people in the organization would came. this comes from the Brethren International Heifer Foundation. We're believers in the Lord Jesus, and we believe that God has so blessed us through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ wants to change you, wants to change your family, wants to change your community, and wants to change your life. This is what we believe when we give. So we give to the glory of God, and we ask God through Jesus to touch you and change you forever. I believe adult Sunday school class, you show the love of God just as the stewards show the kindness and goodness of God in the church. Then I want to say to you as believers sitting in the congregation, every time you put money into this ark, every time you put money into this ark, I believe you are thanking God for being good to you and your family, for providing for all your needs. God's been good to you. You're retired maybe. I'm sure you're on a fixed income. And I'm not sure about all this retirement stock market up and down stuff, but I'm guessing if you ain't working and that baby goes down, you've lost a little bit of money. And you're probably not in a place where you can lose a little bit of money. But is not God taking care of you? Are you here this morning? You got clothes on your back? Yet at some point this week, I'm eating all the time. You got, you got a house. You got a car. This is the way Americans do it. We got things. And we say those things make us blessed of God. But you're taken care of. So when you give into the ark, when you give the Heifer International, you're saying, God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for loving my family. I thank you for protecting my family. I thank you for all you've done for my family. And I give this freely to you because you've been so good to me. Why? Why do this? I think we do this because of the broken body and the shed blood that Christ gave to us. From here on out, I'm going to paraphrase the rest of these scriptures. Jesus said that they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He came to call the sinner, not the righteous, to repentance. Did he not do this when he entered the house of the religious leaders and a sinner lady came in to wash her, his feet? And she took all that she had all of her earnings, and she poured it all over his feet, and she wiped his feet with the hair of her head. She walked right in and done it. She heard the message. She heard about Christ, knew where he was going to be, and she walked right by all those cats and went right down to him and worshipped him. Did he not do this when he dined with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today and eat with all you and your sinner friends. Yes, he did. Jesus did this with the publicans, with sinners, tax collectors, fishermen, prostitutes, strangers, foreigners, 
fatherless, with the bound. He did it all with all kinds of people. Why did he do it? To bring them to salvation, to bring them to hope, and to bring them to healing. You think Jesus cared what people thought about him? When they judged him, why are you going out there to the lost man and the sinner man? Why are you ministering to them? Why are you going out there to the leper? We are the religious leaders. We're right. We're tight. Not religious right. I said we're right and we're tight. <laughs> Meaning we're right with God. We got it going on. We know what it is to follow God. Look at our outfits. Look at our temple. Look at all the money we got coming in. That don't mean nothing to the Lord. The Lord walked right out to him and said, do you need help? Do you need saved? Do you need touch? Do you need change? And that's what he done. You think the lady that come and wore his hair care about what people thought about her in that religious congregation? Mm -mm. She heard the Lord, man. He's coming. She said, my life is a wreck. I'm hurting. I don't want to live this way anymore. And I'm coming right to you. And not only am I going to come to you, but I'm going to freely give all that I have to you because you love me. Did not Zacchaeus do this? You all sang that song? The little Zacchaeus being in a tree and all that kind of stuff. But what did he say to the Lord when Jesus spoke to him? Jesus never said, give me your money. He didn't say, bring all your friends. He just said, I'm coming to talk to you, brother. And Zacchaeus went and told his friends, this man's going to come and speak to me. Come on, let's hear him. When he spoke to his heart, Zacchaeus said, half of everything I got, Lord, I give away. Half of everything I got. He didn't give it all away. But in his heart, it was to give half. And he said, not only that, Jesus, but if I've done somebody wrong, I'm going to restore them fourfold of what I took illegally. Jesus never asked for it. He never begged him for the money. He just spoke to him the word. That word got down in Zacchaeus' heart. That word got down in that lady's heart. And that word worked in their heart, worked in their soul, and it changed their life. And they said, I freely give to you because I believe you are the king of glory. Jesus not only done this work, but he says his people will do the things, these same things also. Next week I'll flesh that out a little more. He says to his people that you will do the same things that I have done. This is what he says again, paraphrasing. Welcome to heaven, my people. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to me. And they look at him. When? When do we do this? They ask. When, Lord? When do we visit the sick? When do we clothe the naked? When? Those in prison, when did we do it, Lord? When do we do these things, they ask? When you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. Didn't even realize what they had done for the Lord. If you're my people, he says, these are the things you're going to do. But then the people didn't realize they was doing the work of God. When, Lord? When do we do it, man? We just know that we love you. We know what you've done for us, and we know we want to help somebody else. So when, God? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. His broken body and shed blood, we not only remember what he'd done, but we're to live out our lives in what he'd done for us. We just don't come at the communion table and, and receive it and remember that he's coming back one day. 
we also remember what he's done in our lives. So I just want to ask you this morning, has he saved your soul? Has he changed your life? Has he healed the brokenness in you? Has he healed the brokenness in your family? Has he helped you out? Has he set you free, man? In your heart, are you free? You just, things don't bother you no more. Yeah, life is rough. It's rough all around. But you're free. Why are you free? Because you know he is taking care of you. He is taking care of your family. He's got it right in your heart. And you are free. If he has set you at liberty, has he blessed you? Has he blessed you beyond what you could ever think or imagine? Has he been with you through the good times? Has he been with you through the hard times? You might have seen your family members really struggling, but somehow they came to Christ. If Christ has touched you in any way and you're thankful, he don't ask you to be. He just comes in and he touches your heart and he changes you and he turns you around. But if he's done these things for you, then share. Share that blessing with those in need. Help them out. He identifies who they are. And next week we'll get more specific about what needs to be done. God is a missionary-minded God. Looking for a missionary-minded people to bring his holy word to the nations. Will you be that people this morning, West Alexandria Church of the Brethren? Will you serve him and follow him and love him and be missionary-minded? Just like we've seen in the book of Leviticus. Just like we've seen in the Brethren Church through this Mr. West. Will you be that church this morning? Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for Missionary Sunday and that you are a missionary-minded God. You didn't leave any man on his own to fight and fend for himself, but you've always been a God who provides. And you provided all throughout church history through your holy people, through Jesus Christ. And now you do it through the church. Thank you for blessing the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. Thank you for blessing with all the things they have in here, a church building, finances, solid congregation, people who love you, want to serve you, and want to follow you, people who are missionary-minded, who take Heifer International and draw it in their heart, say, I want to do this, and I want to be a blessing to somebody else. That's only done through your spirit, God. That's only done because Jesus Christ reigns in our hearts, and as a way we say we love you and we thank you, and we appreciate all that you do. Shake the heavens, Lord God Almighty, this morning. Shake our hearts this morning. Help us love you with a passionate, firm zeal that when we're doing the missionary work, we just say, Jesus Christ is the answer to every man's need. Hear us this morning, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.